Hello and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. Hello and welcome back. Today we're talking about new research into an educational issue that still isn't widely being talked about, but is becoming an increasing problem in schools around the world. I caught up with Dr. Stephanie Westcott from Monash University to talk about her new research looking at how teachers are experiencing increasing levels of sexist and misogynist behaviour from the boys that they teach. Attitudes and behaviours that can often be traced back to hugely popular online influencers such as Andrew Tate. Now this isn't something that's been widely talked about, but Stephanie's research suggests that there is a major problem that schools and parents need to get to grips with. So given the invisibility of people like Andrew Tate to many adults over the age of 30, I started off by asking Stephanie to give me a quick introduction to what is often referred to as the manosphere. And I asked her exactly what so-called manfluencers such as Andrew Tate are peddling online to the millions of boys and young men that are following their every move. We're talking about a collection of influences, although I don't like to use that word for Andrew Tate because I think that association um, downgrades what he actually does. Um, and I think it, you know, influencers are people who sell stuff on, on social media. Andrew Tate is selling things, but he's doing a lot more than that and a lot more harmful things than that. So when we talk about manfluencers, I guess it's a constellation of personalities or figures with followings who talk and share ideas that are sometimes, typically, usually actually, um, pretty harmful for men, women, boys and girls. And so the obvious question from an education research point of view is what's this got to do with education? What's this got to do with schools? Well, I started observing at the start of this year that there was a lot of news coming out of the UK about Andrew Tate being a problem in schools in the UK. And it was being reported quite frequently, but I was seeing nothing coming out in Australia. Mm. And what the UK reports were saying was that boys were coming to school with Andrew Tate, what I call tropes, which are things that he says and does that are easily distinguishable as Andrew Tate's. And their behaviour had changed towards women and girls in schools. And the Department for Education um, had advised teachers not to talk about Andrew Tate. So what it has to do with education is that it's changing boys' views and behaviour towards women and girls. It's coming up in the classroom as something that boys are wanting to talk about and that teachers are having to confront in their work. So it matters from that standpoint, but mm. it also matters because we try to do sort of intervention style programs in education. So in Victoria or in Australia, we've got respectful relationships. We've previously tried to have safe schools. Um, so we do do this work that tries to tackle social issues. And so I think this speaks to a social issue that that's currently swelling around. Yeah. And as you say, has been submerged. Um, so you're doing a research project that's ongoing with Steve Roberts from Monash University as well. And I'm just interested, first of all, as a researcher, what are your general research questions, research mm. aims, research objectives? So it began just with a curiosity about, well, is this happening in Australia? If it's being reported so widely in the UK, what's like, I just sort of wanted to do a pulse check, what was happening for women? So my key questions were, is this something that women are seeing in schools? What are they seeing? And how is it affecting them and girls too? And so I did the usual research things. I got the ethics clearance and I made a flyer 
and I was um, overwhelmed with responses from women. Mm. I had 60 women contact me in a couple of weeks and I interviewed 30 of them and I still receive emails. So this was – I posted the flyer possibly uh, – probably six months ago and I still receive emails from women now. You're listing stories from teachers? Teachers, yeah. yeah. And also when I shared the flyer to a lot of women – would just message me and say, yes, like, please talk about this. Mm. So um, I did interviews on Zoom with women teachers working in Australia across every state, had uh, teachers from primary, secondary, all sectors, and I would just ask them, you know, how is it at the moment for you in your work? Which is a fantastic research question to ask. What is going on? What is going on? What did you find? What is going on? What are you finding? So bizarrely, the same stories were coming out from every woman that I spoke to. And they could all, they all pinpointed the exact same time frame in which they noticed things shift in boys in their, in their schools. And I was really careful not to prompt them on this and say, have you noticed in the past 12 to 18 months, this was a time frame that was offered by, by women consistently. Um, And so they were all able to say when school returned from remote learning, there was something different about boys' um, attitudes and behaviour towards women and girls. They were, of course, there's sort of low-level behaviour such as, um, you know, being provocative around Andrew Tate specifically, so asking women, Miss, what do you think about Andrew Tate in a sort of, you know, provocative way? Mm. So that's they consider that quite low-level stuff. They can either dismiss that or they can engage in a conversation about that. But then there was a like more sinister things such as women describing boys being very adept at gaslighting them, undermining them, being very physically intimidating to them. Sexual harassment obviously has been around <laughs> been around in schools for a long time. That's not new, but the tenor seems to have changed, mm. and it's a persistent daily issue for women. And this is sexual harassment of female teachers and students? And students. Two of my participants left teaching because they couldn't deal with the behaviour um, anymore. So it's just, it was very actually disturbing, very disturbing stories. It left me very concerned for women and girls. But then there's, I mean, there's the, the sexual harassment of, of women and girls in schools, but you've also picked up on the fact that kind of what it does to, to boys' brains and this idea of conspiratorial thinking, for example, and the way yes. that it alters the way that boys are thinking. Yes, yes. The conspiratorial thinking has been a really interesting thread to come out of this research. So women spoke about, you know, when they do, and teachers do this so well, you know, challenging topics come up in class and they talk through these things. So they might say, Miss, what do you think about Andrew Tate? And the women might say, well, he's been charged with rape and human trafficking. And boys will say, no, that's not true. That's a conspiracy. That's the matrix because that's the Andrew Tate's thing as well, that there's, you know, global, some sort of global conspiracy, the elites. So they're not actually talking on the same plane here. They're 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 on different, they're in different spheres and another thing too is we've got to also think about the broader context here and we're in sort of the post-Me Too era as well. And so there's been a great wave of resistance from women and, you know, great social movement and social change and schools haven't really been beneficiaries of that yet. But boys have understood this recent social change as being a shift in power mm. that has positioned them as being oppressed by women. 
that's what a lot of boys believe according to their teachers and they have particular thoughts about you know equity based appointments for example they they have arguments about well that's not merit or they don't believe in the wage the gender wage gap so women are trying to have these conversations with boys and they're being met with conspiratorial thinking but also just inaccurate inaccurate beliefs that cannot be counted because they heard it from a figure whom they respect and who they think is you know an authoritative voice on these matters yeah i'm fascinated by you said you found exactly the same things in australia as as you were hearing in the uk i'm also really interested in kind of local context i mean is there any particular slant to the way that andrew tate's messages are being picked up by australian boys yeah we, we don't really know yet because we haven't seen any other research come out in other contexts so we were, that's another thing that we were really surprised about when we began this research we started to look for other work happening on this topic and we couldn't find any. Mm. We've since noticed there's a team in the UK, um, Jessica Ringrose and colleagues are doing some research on boys and Andrew Tate and also some research on, on Me Too in schools. But um, there's this sort of classic hyper-masculine bravado to some of this where boys are very impressed by Andrew Tate's wealth. So they one of the tropes that comes up in schools a lot is um, Bugattis and wanting to have a Bugatti and um, wanting to go to the gym a lot. So I guess that in some ways taps into an Australian type of masculinity, yeah. hyper-masculinity. But I can't say for sure yet whether the flavour is is particularly different, although I think we can certainly make connections between certain types of Australian masculine mythologies and those that are also perpetuated. But a lot of what Tate says actually kind of taps into a lot of the stuff that's now in schools about entrepreneurship, for example, true. and well-being. And looking. Yes. So it's interesting how the messages get conflated. Yes, it's true. And boys really admire Tate's success and they have him now as a, an example of what success can look like without mm. formal education. And one of the participants, has, one of her students said, do you know that Andrew Tate has his own university? <laughs> Trump used to have his own university as well, <laughs> as a coincidence. And the teacher said, Hustler's University is not a real institution. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, get, yeah it, it's, it's, it's really interesting how messages kind of conflate. And, but Absolutely. You've asked teachers for suggestions for ways forward as well, and I guess mm. your team are thinking about ways forward. So, mm. I mean, what can be done to kind of address this, to counter this? Yeah, well, the first step is to acknowledge that it's happening. A lot of schools and leadership teams are not yet doing that and they're not at least naming so naming the problem. So one of the things that we're advocating for is call this behaviour for what it is. It's not covered accurately by just calling it disrespect because it's a lot of it is much more sinister than that. Mm. Another thing that we've, we've advocated for, which is related to that, is on schools' data platforms that they use, like Compass, where they can record this kind of behaviour most schools lack a specific category for this kind of behaviour. So yeah. you can't actually record misogyny or sexism. And that's a problem because if we don't have that data, we can't, we have no idea of scope. And as schools would suggest, some schools by their own philosophies, if there's no data, it doesn't exist. Yeah. So we're calling for that too. Recently, it was last month actually, the Australian government announced some funding for a Healthy Masculinities Program trial which acknowledge the connection between influence, misogynist influences such as Andrew Tate and damaging views on relationships and violence against women and girls. And so 
that is something that women in schools have acknowledged too and so they want action on that in schools. What that looks like typically is, you know, programs and curriculum. But any sort of program or curriculum that it tries to attend to social issues always becomes politically contested. Well, I was going to say, so, I mean, this is such a tricky area to do anything. And yeah. previous pushes for respectful relationships that you mentioned earlier has fallen foul of the right wing, mm-hmm. woke pushback again, the culture wars. I mean, is mm. there a danger that a similar thing's going to happen here? Of course, yeah. There absolutely is a danger that it could just become, you know, the, the accusation might be, well, it's social engineering. That's always been the catch cry or, you know, Marxism or something. But I think what we have is an undeniable, we have some undeniable statistics around the problem of violence against women in Australia. And I don't know how we couldn't get to a point where we have bipartisanship support for programs and initiatives and curriculum that address that yeah i mean it would be lovely to think that there'd be bipartisan agreement on anything in education <laughs> these days but so i mean that's the kind of the policy and the the practical initiatives what new academic research needs to be done or what would you mm-hmm. like to be doing i mean give you had a million dollars to research this mm. as opposed to doing it for nothing mm. so we're calling for a couple of things out of this research the first is of course more research into the influence of man influences misogynist influences on boys' um, relationships with women and girls and themselves. The other thing we're interested in is how school leaders respond to these crises in their schools and these problems in their schools. And, of course, any research that looks at evaluating what measures are effective so we can create an evidence base for, you know, effective programs and initiatives and interventions. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge amount of work to be done. And my final question was, your PhD was kind of looking at post-truth, which is seemingly now a very kind of topical thing to be done. What other post-truth issues are emerging that you also need to be tackling? This is just one of many, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I think that one thing that I've thought about since my PhD is, I, I don't want to say we can't agree on anything anymore because I don't think we ever have, but it seems to be increasingly difficult to decide a problem is a problem or that it exists and that we can all agree on the terms of that problem and what it means. Broadly, I think in those terms, we could apply that sort of thinking or that framework to lots of things that we're seeing at the moment. We're not, we're on different epistemological planes, I think, and we're not finding common ground. Um, And so this post-truth thinking, I mean, I see it in the Andrew Tate project constantly. And I also don't think we can discredit the influence that Trump's presidency and how that changed the way that we have conversations or standards that we can hold for our leaders. I don't think we can discount the effect that that continues to have mm. on on discourse. So that's probably what I would suggest as future ways of thinking about trying to find common ground or at least recognising the tools and, and rhetoric that that are in, in play currently. And you would hope that public schools are the place where we could find some common epistemological ground or at least have a conditions where we are on the same page if only for a few hours a day. So, mm. well, that's fascinating. Thanks ever so much for taking the time to talk about it. It's really interesting research. It's mm. ongoing research mm. as well. So I look forward to seeing what else comes out. Thank you so much.